And we're back, Mike Cernovich, Cernovich.com, with another podcast with some very um, important guests here. Some of you might have remembered the episode I did with a former member of the Ranger Battalion. There's an expression where they say there are scrolls, not tabs, or they have the tab on the scroll. These are special operations fighters, and many of them have been using, I don't like the term psychedelics, and, and we'll talk when we bring in the guests, they can talk to me about terminology and how they feel about it. I don't, I've never liked that term psychedelic, and I don't think that really covers what it is. And we'll just say that they're, they've been taking plant medicine and, and noticing very um, life-transforming changes. So we have a couple people here. We have Jamie and Evan, and do you guys want to just say hi, bring yourselves in, and we'll talk. All right. Thank you, Mike. This is Jamie. Welcome. You want to introduce yourself for people who have never heard of you? Yeah, my name is Jamie Lehner, and I work primarily with people who are working with plant medicines and helping them with their preparation and their integration and helping them bring their teachings and their learning back into their lives so that they can they can live a life that's more suited to them. And you, Evan? Yeah, and I'm, I'm Evan Osmond. Um, similar sort of background to Jamie, um, working with uh, these, these therapeutic plant medicines. Um, really helping with the preparation, building some navigation skills, and also some long-term integration to really make the most of, of some of the experiences that, that people can have uh, using these powerful plant medicines. Yeah, so let's talk about that a little bit. How you, how you all met Miles and got into the world where there's all these veterans who have been, you know, using these antigens, and what's the backstory there? Yeah, so uh, Jamie and I both. Um, both are, are contracted coaches with a company out of San Diego called Being True You um, that specializes in, in this type of coaching service um, around really supporting individuals who are doing this, this sort of plant medicine. And, and it is really important to, to have that type of support because you know, these, these experiences can, can range from you know, really intense and at times overwhelming to beautiful and euphoric and, and also confusing and and a lot of the range of experiences is huge with this type of medicine work. And, and so it is really important to, to have some sort of long-term support and in individuals who are really trained um, to, to know how to, to work with people who are doing this, this type of medicine. I'm sure Jamie can say a bit more about that too. And how about you, Jamie? Yeah, I'd definitely like to hear from both of you and get your different perspectives. Um, yeah. So I've been contacted through being true to you and this is how I, I met, um, Miles and, and working with the war veteran community, and I've also worked with uh, other clients for the last five years um, who've been in and out of Peru working with plant medicines and really helping them keep their, their feet on the ground and, and make some changes in their lives and helping them understand and derive meaning out of their experiences. Because, as Evan said, there's a huge range of experiences and they can be very confusing um, and people really need to have somebody to, you know, throw their ideas off of and offer some support and guidance and advice so that they can take that information back into their lives and uh, integrate it in a way that, that serves them and their, their families and their communities. Yeah. And what, what interests me too, in addition to the, the plant medicine is I think a lot of the new clients anyway have been veterans and especially sort of traditionally alpha, classically masculine men. What are some of the challenges of working with those types of people? Uh, well, one, for me, I, I wouldn't say, go ahead. 
Oh, it's all right. Um, one thing that I would say that can come up sometimes, and it doesn't have to be just the masculine driven or the alpha uh, experiences or the alpha oriented um, people, but people have a very you know closed frame of mind. And so one of the main challenges is really getting them to, to open up and to be willing to let go of all of their, their thought patterns and their, their experience of reality as it is and being open to other ways of, of experiencing reality. And these plant medicines open up consciousness to show you where all of the held beliefs are, the thought patterns, old emotions, traumas, anything that can be limiting your experience. And so working with clients, a lot of the prep work is, involved in you know getting them to look at any hesitations fears questions that might be arising what is what are the some pains or struggles in their lives or places they experience blockages so that they can kind of get a frame of where um where they're being constricted and then helping them to start to unravel these and open up to uh, other experiences other frames of looking at them the plants, once you get into the plant medicine space, they will bring these different references into your experience often very quickly. And so we want to keep, keep people prepared, get people prepared before they get in there. And how about you, Evan? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I would, I would say I have to agree with, with, with everything Jamie said. And what I would add to that is, um, you know, one of the kind of things that have come up uh, multiple times and with specifically working with the, the veteran communities around this type of plant medicine, it's sort of the concept of surrender that comes up in, in mm-hmm. a lot of people's medicine experience. And, um, and I think uh, people who have military backgrounds, that, that concept means, means a lot more um, to, mm-hmm. to those individuals than, than people who are coming from a you know, different civilian backgrounds. It's, it's a very potent sort of um, concept, right? And so addressing that and kind of, um, you know, really understanding what, what sort of inner surrender means or surrendering to the, the work the medicine might be bringing up for, for people is, is a huge area that, that's important to focus on. And there can be some, some issues there. But I wanted to kind of flip it around and also speak to sort of the, the benefits of that, which, you know, some of the some of the, the specific issues might come up more around preparation or navigation of the plant medicine experience. But what I've seen on the positive end is, is in the integration side, it's, it's really, it's been a, a pleasure working with, with the veteran community around the integration um, with this, this kind of um, really active uh, sort of participatory energy that, that a lot of the veterans have, have brought, at least the, the veterans I've worked with uh, to the integration process. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, no one dragging their feet or not wanting to do the work, um, really hitting the ground running. And that's, um, you know, working with, with other sort of, um, you know, groups, that's not always the case, but it's been the case with, with virtually every, every, uh, veteran client I've worked with. And how about, how about you, Jamie? What are some of the prominent, uh, issues or challenges you, you notice? Yeah, I would say, you know, I agree a lot with what Evan's saying. You know, the veteran community does seem able to navigate and work with changes. And I think there's that that training, right, of being on the ground and needing to think and, think and move quickly and adjust. And um, I, I do also appreciate that. And some of the challenges I think people have is coming back into their normal everyday lives where 
they have a certain pattern of existing and interacting with the world and everything that they may have experienced or learned during the medicine just seems really far. And so that, that's the integration, that piece right there is how to bring that into their existing lives and the existing structures that are set up and any changes they might make. So there can be a bit of a shock to the system as they, they reintegrate back into normal life. Um, and just pulling the, the teachings and the threads of the information and their experience in the medicine into their lives and helping them realize and see how uh, everything's connected and it's playing out in their lives as it is. Um, that seems to be, you know, one of the big challenges that's common across, you know, 99% of all people. And how do you, I, I guess I would say, how, so how do you advise people to prepare for their experiences with the, with the medicine, the plant medicine? Um, Hello? You guys there, there still? Yes. Yeah. yeah I'm just thinking yeah. a little bit about, yeah. <laughs> it's a good question. It's a good question. It is, um, yeah. I, I think the way that I would, uh, I would go about answering it is, is, you know, it's really different and, and, and custom tailored for each individual. Um, so some of the broader categories um, that, that, you know, I'm going to touch on with, with any client who's, who's coming into, um, you know, having already made the decision to use some of these, these plant medicines, uh, in my case, more often ibogaine um, than, than ayahuasca or other plant medicines. Um, but what I'm going to look for is first an exploration of, of, you know, what kind of navigational tools they have, how they deal with sort of stresses in their life. And try to build the ones that maybe that there are in, individuals who are sort of struggling with certain certain components that might be relationships in their life, or you know it might be uh, you know their their lifestyle, um, you know eating a lot of uh, you know unhealthy foods that are making them feel you know negatively, or or unhealthy substance use, you know nothing maybe maybe not a, a addictive level, but still something the things that are kind of impeding their their normal. Um, you know, effective strategies for dealing with the stresses. So that's one of the main areas I'm going to kind of go through with someone and say, okay, where, where are your weaknesses? Um, let's, let's try to build on some of those. What are some of your strengths? You know, let's build on those also. Um, and kind of looking at it through the frame of, of you know, mental prep, physical preparation, um, you know, which can be, like I mentioned, the, the nutrition, you know, things like spiritual prep or, or, or you know, prep for specific for individuals um, who, who are coming from different religious backgrounds or just in general as far as you know, connecting with their, their inner self. Um, you know, home life is another area that, that we kind of focus on, relationship, as I mentioned. Um, and, then, uh, and then we kind of will focus on things like, you know, how do you meet challenges uh, in your life and, and how do you manage disappointment? Uh, those are some of the big sort of categories that we'll go through in, in preparation. Um, but it, it is custom-tailored. For each individual, so we might you know skip over some areas if someone says, you know, I really feel solid in my in my relationships, um, you know, but I'm I'm really more focused on on my mental and physical prep. You know, I need to be getting back at the gym, you know, going to the gym, and and, and that really does a lot for me. Um, and that's something I want to do after the medicine too, and start a new routine. So those are the sort of areas I hope that that kind of gives a, a good overview, a background of the way I would approach it. And how about you, Jamie? Yeah, I agree with Evan. A lot of it is just based upon the individual. Everybody's unique. So working with the client wherever they're at, you know, what is going on in their lives? How are they navigating their own lives and and, and understanding a baseline and and also helping them understand themselves and where they're at. And another thing 
that we work towards is getting clear on their reasons and their goals and their intentions for choosing to work with these plant medicines. These are very powerful tools that aren't necessarily recommended for everybody. And they have a certain reason that they're wanting to, to investigate and explore and open up for whether it be healing or clarity or clearing any old traumas or discovering more purpose in their lives. And the navigation skills, I think Evan mentioned, you know, how, how do they meet challenges? How do they, how are they going to show up in the medicine um, when a challenge arises? And a lot of the work I also do is connecting uh, them to their their body and their breath. That that seems to be a big part of my work. I also do a lot of uh, energetic healing work. Um, so getting people connected to how does it how does their body respond to challenges, to stresses, to traumas, and what can we do to prepare them for those experiences to arise during a plant medicine ceremony. And how do you think, what do you think brings people into that space or how do they find it? What's their pathway? I know that every, everybody's a little bit different, but there probably are patterns. Yeah. To bring people in, into which path? Like how do people into find it? You know, like me, a friend told me, you know, tried it with him. How do people find you guys? Mm-hmm. What's the path? Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, you know, one of the, one of the main pathways is, is, you know, people falling through the cracks. Of, of the existing you know institutions that are set up, um, and it's it's really unfortunate. But a, a lot of a lot of people don't start their journey, um, you know, at, at at plant medicine. Though is that, though for many it ends up being the most effective, the only effective, you know, tool that they've used to really you know get at the heart of some of the issues that have been plaguing them for you know even long before they even you know contemplated entering, you know, military service, for instance, but, um, most people come after, you know, uh, a barrage of pharmaceuticals and, um, therapeutic techniques that lack, you know, and this is, you know, I'm paraphrasing what I've been told that, that really lack the authenticity, um, and kind of the, the human connection piece as well as an emphasis on, on the personal journey of, of what one person's life means, um, in the context of healing. Um, and how, like you said, it is all individual, but I'd say that is, that is a pattern. A lot of people come um, with a lot of frustration towards the, the system that, that has failed them in, in many ways. Not everyone, of course, but, but that is definitely one of the patterns I've noticed. Maybe, Jamie, you've noticed others, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with Evan and the patterns that I would get clients, you know, that have generally been through some trials, traumas, pain and suffering, clients with depression, anxiety, just a general dissatisfaction with their lives. They're usually seeking something else. They've tried a million different techniques and tools and practices and have gotten some relief and some answers. And a lot of them have heard plant medicines can be pretty powerful. So they have a curiosity um, and this knowing, like just a knowing that life life that can be different. It doesn't have to be the way that they're currently experiencing it. And then there are some people who have very physical um, diseases and illnesses that have had tremendous results working with these plants um, that haven't been addressed in Western medicine that um, 
they will come to the plant medicine to get more clarity on and, and I, their stories of lots of things being healed just through working with the plant medicine. In my own personal journey, I got into the plant medicine through years of therapy and I had um, some mild eating disorders and was kind of working through therapy, getting to some of the root causes of what was going on. And it was just taking forever and I was frustrated and confused and I had heard about the plant medicines and I just, I felt a calling to, to dive in and explore um, from my own frustration. And how long ago was that? That was about 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. I got introduced to the, the medicine. I think a boyfriend at the time had sent me an article on ayahuasca and told me he wanted to try it sometime. I read the article and thought, hell no, no way am I doing that. Um, but then six months later, something inside me was like, okay, you're ready. You're ready for it. Let's, let's give it a try. And what, what did you really notice or experience most? What I noticed and experienced was the world and the way that I was living, um, was completely of my, my own construction. Mm -hmm. It makes sense. So, you know, shattering my worldview and being able to see and step outside of, um, the, the way that I've been living gave me so much perspective and compassion and peace to see that I had more resources and more access than I ever had imagined before. Um, it was a pretty profound experience uh, in that sense. And I, I had been able to see actually, you know, maybe the third time I, I drank ayahuasca, I actually got to see where the root causes of some of my emotional and eating disorders had come from, um, stemmed in, in childhood. And so I was able to really get in there in a deeper level than going weekly to, to talk therapy. And from there, you just kept going deeper and deeper? Yes. Yeah, I had thought it was a once-in-a-lifetime experience, go down to the Amazon and, and work with shamans and drink ayahuasca. And I had came back to the U.S., and realized that it was a deeper calling. And I returned every year for a couple weeks or a couple months back down to the Amazon. Uh, and then in 2014, I ended up in a town in Peru called Terapoto, which I hadn't been to before. And within two days of arriving there, I just had this, this calling, this knowing that I was going to be there a lot longer. And I ended up staying for the better part of three years working with ayahuasca and other plant medicines, um, learning how they open up consciousness and how they're healing um, through myself and then also other people around and participants. And was your experience similar to that, Evan? As far as my introduction into into Mm -hmm. the world of plant medicine. So mine was was a little bit different. I would say I, I kind of serendipitously entered my life in, in kind of mid-adolescence um, amidst a really challenging um, time for me, uh, you know, in terms of uh, I experienced a pretty nasty, you know, divorce of my parents, and and uh, it was my first introduction was actually to um, psilocybin containing mushrooms, and I'd say my work wasn't, wasn't so drawn to, you know, the, the traditional hallucinogens at first. But got more uh, into the the what we would call entheogens or or really powerful um, plant medicines um, aside from from uh, things the halluc- classic hallucinogens 
um, or psychedelic hallucinogens um, through an introspective kind of journey that, that the, the mushroom dose they started for me. Um, so one of my biggest insights, um, and, and I think we can all, most people I've spoken to can relate, you know, it's pretty big for a 15 year old, um, you know, to experience was, holy crap, my, my parents are just, are just people mm-hmm. like they're just human beings. <laughs> and, um, and, and, you know, it, it, it seems so simple, you know, as an adult kind of talking about it, but it's, um, but that was huge for me. And that was such a relief, um, to kind of create that separation. And so it was, it was through many, many experiences with these, um, with these mushrooms, uh, over, over the course of several years that kind of eventually led me into, um, this introspective path and kind of skipping a few steps, but in the name of kind of brevity, I ended up, um, signing on for a year long, um, residency program at a Zen Buddhist monastery sort of lived as a monk for a year and kind of continued this introspection uh, in the absence of these plant medicines. And, and afterwards, after that experience, um, you know, they kind of exited my life for a time, um, you know, a few years, and then kind of began, you know, warming up to them uh, again, you know, using, using a, a variety of different plant medicines. And for that reason, um, I, I resonate and connect really strongly with individuals who are, who are using um, Ibogaine in particular, because it is such a, a profoundly um, and concretely introspective plant medicine, which which you know, all plant medicines are are very you know have have mm-hmm. introspective qualities. One hundred percent ayahuasca, you know, even LSD or, or mushrooms or, or you know five um, you know, meo DMT. All these plant medicines you know produce this introspective state, but ibogaine really is a very directly introspective sort of experience. And so I kind of had a blending and introduction at an early age and then um, some of the work with the, the Zen Buddhist monastery and, and afterwards this kind of blending of those two worlds. So, and that's, that's where, you know, I'm, I'm really drawn towards supporting individuals to integrate because that's, that's a lot of what I learned. I, I sometimes mm-hmm. I say my experience in the monastery was integrating all of those, those plant medicine experiences. I just had a little bit more, um, a little bit more space between, between them a few years. Um, but that's a, a lot of what I worked out there um, in my integration. And I began, let's talk a little bit more about that because that's something that I think a lot of people haven't heard about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I began is, um, is an extract from a, a West African root um, that, that it's a specific layer of the, of this African root um, and it's kind of shaved off and, and and it's called iboga when it's just the sort of the shaved root or powdered root form. And ibogaine is, is sort of the, the active alkaloid that's extracted from it. Um, and it's, it's very unique. Like you said, not a lot of people have, have heard of it. Um, it's one of the few, I haven't heard of many others, one of the few more masculine plant medicines um, that has, that has kind of, I don't know how, how exactly I would describe it. Um, but uh, like I said, very direct and, and concrete, and it, it also lasts a profoundly long time. Um, you know, twelve to twenty-four hours for for the the initial experience, and then there there can be some after effects that linger. You know, some people report you know as as long as kind of you know thirty-six, forty-eight hours after a single uh, administration of what they would call flood dose. And, and the last piece I'll say about it, um, you know, for this. Um, uh, is, is that it's, it's unique in that it's not a hallucinogen. Mm-hmm. 
it doesn't it doesn't produce hallucinations in the outside world as its sort of primary um, effect. Uh, it, it's kind of some people will call it um, an onirogen, which the, the base onero means basically dreamlike or visionary. And so, as far as what we know from the mechanism of action, some recent research done on it, it, it kind of it produces pseudo sleep states, so it mimics the REM cycle of the brain. And so it kind of taps into this sort of unconscious world, this dream world, um, and allows people to sort of navigate. Um, and, and so it's very, very different. And, and I will say it's not like, I, said, I would say probably like a lot of people's ayahuasca experiences, it's, it's not something that, that's going to be necessarily um, really pleasant and euphoric the entire time. It, it, most people describe it as very, very challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not, it's not a sort of recreational, and that's the other thing what, what distinguishes, Jamie, I'm sure you can speak to this, you know, real plant medicines, you know, from, from some of these sort of psychedelic hallucinogens, which can have healing properties, absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt, but, but they are different um, in that um, not a lot of people go into these things uh, exclusively for recreation, um, you know, that, that there's a lot more to this work than, than just uh, an experience that, that feels good and, and, uh, and is cool or something like that, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I would like to hear, you know, a little bit from you too, um, Jamie, about that, because I, I don't know anybody who's done, um, you know, these various, very synthogens who viewed it as like MDMA or something. They're clearly, clearly different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree with Evan. You know, these these real plant medicines have this quality of being challenging. They can take you to very beautiful and opening spaces, but there's a, a quality of challenge because you're you're inviting this plant to dive deep into your psyche to clear out all of these blockages or these traumas or these emotional experiences that you've been carrying around you with you for for many years and most people are wanting some relief or some release of these experiences and to to do that you you're often faced with re-experiencing them and and learning and learning how to navigate and how to um come back into a place where you have this wisdom and knowledge of having gone through that experience and that brings you know a lot more access characteristics and qualities that you can bring into your life. What are some specific changes that you notice in people, Jamie? It depends upon the person. Um, But a lot of people, you know, I have a friend here that I was asking some of his friends and his coworkers how he's changed. And I said, wow, he's a lot calmer. He's not as angry. He's not as reactionary, not as explosive. So people can get um, a sense of, peace and calm and not be in reaction and I'm sure as Evan can speak to having his experience in the monastery I also spent a lot of my integration time in India working and staying in ashrams and there's a a quality of being um, you have more access to and you're not caught up in this ride of life uh, you know reaction and action Um, and and you're able to respond and handle, you can handle more of the, you know, the, the stresses and the traumas and the, the daily um, ups and downs of life. So you have a more centered quality, a more grounded quality. 
something that you can rely on and, and get you through get you through whatever life brings you. How about you, Evan? Some of the effects that I've noticed. Um, yeah, and as, as I'm sure we all know, it varies per, per person, but I'll say a lot of what I see, especially after the Ibogaine, is, is um, really just feeling fresh um, and, and sort of clean and sort of having new eyes on the world. Um, you know, some, some people definitely experience uh, a much greater calm um, and some more mm-hmm. resiliency as well. I think part of that um, with some of these really intense and powerful plant medicines comes from the, the acute experience itself, you know, it can be so overwhelming and intense and chaotic at times that, you know, when you come back into sort of our, our normal daily life, it's, it, it is calmer than, than those, mm-hmm. those, uh, those spaces where we do this sort of work in the, in the plant medicine experience. Um, you know, it, one of the things I'll say I, I've, I've seen time and time again, it's just the ease with which people can really start new routines. Um, that's, mm-hmm. you know, from maybe more of a psychological, you know, <laughs> therapist sort of uh, view is, is um, you know, that's, that's really what I've, I've noticed that people can kind of really hit the ground running and, and follow through with, with goals that resonate with who they really are. And that's a critical piece of this is that, you know, it can't be, it can't necessarily be some, some goal that someone tells you to do like, Oh, you should, you know, work out more, you know, maybe the exercise component is true, but, um, you know, part of what we do working with clients is say, okay, well, you know, do you think you need exercises or to exercise more? Yeah. Okay. What would be attractive? Oh, you want, you don't want to go to the gym. You hate it. You'd rather go, you know, schedule hikes every, you know, three times a month. Um, and really get into that. And so as long as it's something that really comes from that person's heart, their true desire, you know, what their, what we say their true self really wants to engage in and how they really want to meet the world, um, coming after, coming back to the world after these, these plant medicine experiences, it, it's much easier to begin that. Um, and so with, with Ibogaine, we, we kind of really call it the window of opportunity that it, it does close. It's, it's true. And, and I'm sure it's true for, for ayahuasca as well, where there's this kind of ripe time you know, speaking to the importance of, of integration after these experiences is, you know, three to six months after after a very profound Ibogaine flood dose experience, if you don't engage with it, if you don't participate with some of the insights and, and grow and develop them and make some changes in your life, um, you know, there may be some long-term enduring changes, but that's, that's not what these plant medicines are about, you know, kind of a more the positive psychology movement. You know, not let's mm-hmm. just fix what's broken with you, you know, what is your potential? Can you, like, can you reach your potential, which is, you know, to me, this sort of moving target that, that, you know, there's no, there's no end to that, you know, to that process. It's a, it's a lifelong process of, of growth and development where, you know, you've never reached, you've never become your best self. Um, you can always become better. You can always grow more. So that's, that's kind of the way that I, that I view it. And it primes people to really succeed on that path. Um, if, if there's good planning and support guidance and accountability throughout it. You know, that's what we do as, as coaches. And that, so that's how you view your job is to, so what, yeah, what would a coaching process look like? I guess would be a, a way that I would, um, something that I think a lot of people would be interested in. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, the, the process in very concrete terms is, is weekly sessions with a coach. Um, okay. And, and sometimes that, that includes some, 
accountability texting for some some individuals who really want that. So that would be, you know, getting a text message, you know, every morning or once a week, however it is, as a reminder to do to, to reach towards a goal or to, to strive in some way or to do something a little bit differently. Um, those are kind of the, the concrete aspects, and I guess the, the more abstract um, aspects of it, um, you know, speak to kind of, you know, what do you want to change in your life, and how can we start? How can we, you know, how could I, let's say, as a coach, support you to really build some momentum so that I become truly obsolete, right? That's 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 what effective coaching, in my view, is at least. Is, is how can I support you so that you don't need me anymore? You know, in this moment, senior officials who served a life you want to live that, um, you know, that that we don't need to, we don't need to talk every week. You know, we might, we might not need to talk ever again, (laughs) you know, not to say there isn't immense gratitude on both, both parts, um, client and coach, but um, that's, that's kind of the the way that, that I frame it and my reasons and, uh, and views of it, I suppose. I think that's, that's what you asked. And how's your approach, yeah, Jamie? I would, yeah, I would. I agree with Evan, and I would add in the aspect of it being a relationship. So, as in any relationship you might have with another human being, you know, this is a relationship that is primarily for your own learning, your own growth, your evolution. And so, coach has been there for you and can provide some accountability, support you, guide you, and you develop a, a deep connection and level of trust that you can go into you know things deeper into your psyche your emotional body whatever your experience because these plant medicines can take people very far very deep into seemingly crazy experiences which the coach then is there to just remind you like this isn't crazy like this is your experience and we're going to figure out what it means for you and how you want to interpret it and I I definitely agree with Evan in the the teaching and guiding the client um, to their own abilities, to their own power, to their own awareness to take action. So eventually they get their, their, you know, feet on the ground and and they can keep going. And the coach is there available to support as long as, you know, the client wants or needs that support. Um, I definitely have some clients that have been working with me for, for years because they, you know, every once in a while they're like, well, actually I really need some support on this now. Um, but it doesn't always work like that. Sometimes it's, you know, supporting a client through a series of plant medicine experiences and then, you know, they're back after three, three months and they're feeling pretty good and, and on their, on their path. Is there anything else that you would, um, that people should know or that you think people should know about the experience, Ibogaine, or anything else? You first, Evan, please. Yeah, I'd say um, things people should know about, about Ibogaine specifically is that needs to be done in a controlled setting. Um, you know, you can do, you know, most of the time if it's done in, in sort of um, ceremony or, um, you know, with a shaman, it, it typically is, is iboga, the use of the of the root itself. Um, whereas uh, ibogaine, the extract, is is more associated with uh, with medical setting, with a medical setting, um, and and that's really really important for for ibogaine because you know a lot of times people do research on ibogaine, and one of the first things that that they, that they might see is you know that people have died um, using ibogaine, and and it's not that ibogaine isn't is it's particularly dangerous. I kind of make the, 
the analogy that it's, it's kind of similar to, um, you know, it's, it's similar to kind of getting a biopsy done, you know, which is a safe, you know, somewhat invasive uh, medical procedure, um, you know, but, but you, you wouldn't necessarily go, um, you know, to, to a guy in a, a sort of dark alley to, to go have a biopsy done. You would go to a hospital, you know, where it's clean and you feel safe. Um, and, and the reason that, that I, I bring that up is, is because I began, you know, it, it does have some, some dangers associated with it. Um, you have someone very experienced if you're, you're being dosed, given a flood dose. There's a lot that goes into it. The most reliable clinics, safest clinics, um, you know, follow the GITA standard. And GITA is the Global Ibogaine Therapy Alliance. If you go on their website, um, you can find the, the, the clinical procedures to safely administer Ibogaine. Um, you know, and, and the risk is, is you know, uh, it's cardiac or cardiotoxicity. You know, it creates, can create an elongation in, in uh, what they call the QT cycle, uh, um, QT interval, rather, of the, of the heart's um, speed. It's a specific type of arrhythmia that if it goes untreated, it, it, it can become something very, very serious. Um, and it's not something that's very hard to treat. The treatment is incredibly effective. The antiarrhythmia drugs, it, you know, it, it's not dangerous from that perspective. But specifically, these these QT intervals and another type of, of arrhythmia that that ibogaine can cause is called the, the TDT arrhythmia. I believe it's it's very challenging to to identify in an EKG, and so you need someone who is specifically trained, uh, preferably by the American Cardiac Association, a doctor who is is you know going to be able to identify this specific type of, of arrhythmia and, and administer treatment. And if that's present, then ibogaine is, is incredibly safe. Um, you know, safe as, as safe as anything. Um, but if that's not present, then you know it can be very risky. So that's that's one thing I really want people to know about this treatment. On top of the need for for preparation, navigation, and integration coaching, so it, it really potentiates what you get out of these experiences. Um, it's, it's very important doing it, doing it in a safe, controlled setting and having good support for, during, if possible, and afterwards. Um, you know, so that's, that's really important. That would be kind of my takeaways for, for Ibogaine specifically. Mm-hmm. And how about you? Yeah, and I don't think, yeah, I was just going to say, I think Ibogaine has a, its own ex- more extreme um precautions and, and ayahuasca does as well. There's some physical and psychological conditions that it's not recommended for and there's medications and pharmaceuticals that you do have to go off of before you can actually start working um, with ayahuasca. So making sure that you have a, a highly trained and informed um, shaman or curandero that's been doing this work for a long time and understands these different human conditions because um, you are stepping into a very powerful experience where the, you're expanding consciousness and there can be a lot of hazards uh, without having the properly trained shaman. And the point is, is that, you know, people usually go into these experiences wanting to, to heal something, get clarity, remove, you know, some traumas, clear some distortions and limitations in their lives. And, to be able to do that in a, a way that's actually beneficial, uh, you want to have somebody who knows how to organize the the energies and create a space for for healing. And so it's also very important with, with ayahuasca. And there's a lot of people doing ayahuasca in the U.S. and 
and also, you know, all over the world now, it's, it's literally gone all over the world and it originates in the Amazon. And so a lot of people, and this is, you know, how I got into it as well. I, I made a trip down to the Amazon, but I highly recommend that everybody who decides that this is a medicine for them to do their investigation, do their research, get some recommendations, talk to people, get, you know, speak to the, the centers and the people on staff, you know, have any questions, answer concerns. It's, it's important to find somebody you trust. It's like, you know, going to a doctor it takes sometimes a bunch of trial and error. So you find a doctor you actually like and trust with your, your health and your life. So I would recommend that people do that with ayahuasca as well. Well, perfect. Well, thank you so much uh, for joining me. And for those of you listening in, I will post links to where you can find out more information about them and the subjects that we talked about. They'll be in the show notes and the, the podcast episode and also at the website. So be sure to check out Cernovich.com forward slash podcast for all of this and more. Thank you again so much, Jamie. And thank you so much, Evan. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you.